Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Our scripture passage comes from Paul's letter to the Colossians, the third chapter, the 15th through the 17th verse. If you happen to be following along in a pew Bible, you can find that passage in the New Testament on page 958. Listen to the word of God. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, sanctify us in thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. Bill Gabbard has done it again. No, he didn't take my notes. What he did this time is construct for us another wonderful time of worship, sprinkling our worship with songs of gratitude and praise. Come, ye thankful people, come. Now we thank we all our God. There's more to come. And if ever there was a Sunday to sing praise, It's this week set aside for collective gratitude. Somebody asked me recently, why don't we sing praise music at Second Ponds? I said, we do sing praise music at Second Ponds when the service theme is about praise. And today it is. We stop to offer our gratitude to God, just lay down all the work and the carpool and the to-do list and the assignments and the sales goals and and just sit on the bench for a while. Look up into the blue sky. Breathe in and give thanks to the God who loves us, who provides for us, When we sing our songs of praise, we're reaching back into an ancient worship tradition. Our our Hebrew ancestors sang thanksgiving hymns too. The Psalms, the collection of Psalms in our Old Testament, are the ancient hymnal of the Israelite people. The, The psalm we read earlier in worship together was most likely a hymn that was offered up in corporate worship. We could have sung it today. But the psalmist brought us the words and forgot to send the sheep music along with it, so we just went ahead and said it together. Here's part of that. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. You all know that we're blending our traditions a bit, right? I mean, praise and thanksgiving are always appropriate to worship, but 
This is also borrowing against the American holiday tradition. I don't suppose that Christians in Denmark today are singing, Come Ye Thankful People Come. We're blending the traditions a bit. But in our American tradition, this week in November, set aside to give thanks, to come into his presence with thanksgiving. Except that this year, it might be harder than ever to celebrate thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is becoming an increasingly challenging holiday, not because COVID has made it hard, not because of the racial tensions of the last few years that have exposed our ugly divides, and not because supply chain problems made it hard for you to find cranberries, not because of the partisan politics that's driven a wedge of separation. The reason Thanksgiving might be harder than ever this year is that increasingly our culture doesn't know where to offer thanks. How does, how does a, a, a nation offer thanks to God when most don't believe there's a God? There's a thank you letter written but no address. Where do you send it? Increasingly, we live in a culture that, believe, that does not believe that the God of our worship today is the source of our blessing. I mentioned this book a couple of months ago. I'm still digging around in it, two, three months now, I guess. But it's a book called A Secular Age by Charles Taylor. I'm reading in and around the book. What I mean by reading around the book is that it's so dense that others have had to write about Dr. Taylor's insights and use smaller words so some people could catch it. His book, Dr. Taylor's book, is roughly the size of a piece of carry-on luggage. So I'm I'm still kind of digging through. But here's here's the simplified gist of it. Dr. Taylor says that we are living in the first era in human history where the cultural default position is that there is no God. Earlier cultures... And we see this in our scriptures. Earlier cultures were, were kind of competing that their God was better than somebody else's God. And in our Hebrew scriptures, it bears witness to Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as the one true God over against Baal or idol worshipers or any other uh, ancient deities. In the Gospel of John, Jesus declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life, which is set against the claims of other religions. But you see in all of these illustrations, the default assumption is there is a God. There is a divine mystery, or as Taylor calls it, there is an enchanted reality. But Taylor's research declares that most people believe nothing beyond what is right now and right here. 
Andrew Root is one of the folks writing in response to Taylor, and he writes this. We have arrived at a secular age not because people no longer see it as necessary to go to church and are willing to mark none on a survey, but rather because the very idea that there could be a personal God who orders and acts in the cosmos has become unbelievable or at least contested. Or we could say that we now live in a world where it is quite easy to forget, deny, or simply not care that there is a transcendent dimension to reality. So I'm back to my original question. How does a culture celebrate Thanksgiving if there's no one to thank? All right, I've got, I've got one of those tree fall in the woods, does it make a sound kind of questions for you. Does a gift require a giver? I'm going to go with yes. All right. Y'all, you all know that I'm a language nerd, but hang with me on this. For the next few weeks, we're going to be saying to each other, look, look at all those gifts under the tree. How are we going to get all those gifts in the trunk of the Camry? But they're not gifts. Not yet. They're packages. They're packages and they're only gifts when they're given. There has to be a giver for there to be a gift. I started thinking about this because of, a, because of an often misquoted James Russell Lowell poem. He was a noted American poet in and around the Civil War era. And one of his most famous poems is often misquoted. And if you Google the poem, you'll come up with the misquoted version about as often as the right one. This is the poem. It's short, but listen. This, and, and it's told from the vantage point of God. The holy supper is kept, indeed, in what so we share with another's need. Not what we give, but what we share. For the gift without the giver is bare. Who gives himself with his alms feeds three, himself, his hungering neighbor, and me. See, the line in there is, the gift without the giver is bare. But, but I heard it and learned it first this way. The gift without the giver is rare. I kind of like the messed up version better. It's rare indeed, isn't it? How can there be a gift without a giver? Maybe this is the challenge of this Thanksgiving. How does a culture celebrate Thanksgiving if they believe there is no God? Where do we direct our gratitude? And how do we answer gifts all around, all over the place, that we did not design, and yet there is no giver? So what will happen 
around a lot of tables this Thursday across the green bean casserole is people will not give thanks to God, but instead celebrate their own human flourishing. I'm not sure that self-congratulations actually constitutes giving thanks. I am thankful for the spouse I chose, the house we can afford, the level of fitness I have achieved, and the comfort of my sedan with the heated seats. That's not giving thanks. That's self-congratulations. Thanksgiving is the acknowledgement of grace. Thanksgiving isn't about our achievement and our accumulation. It's turning our hearts toward heaven in a gleaming appreciation. Gratitude for what is not deserved. It's grace. The drippings of grace is what C.S. Lewis calls it when we awaken to our inner longing for a scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune when we have not heard, new from a country we have never yet visited. And the biblical witness is full of thanksgiving. All across the scriptures are believers ahead of us who stopped, looked heavenward, quietened all the busyness and said, a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and steadfastness. God. Listen again to the part of the psalm we read earlier. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is the great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountain are his also. Thanksgiving is always pointed to God. Gratitude is an awareness of grace. Grace that we did not earn and did not accomplish. The, the psalmist says, the depth of the ocean, the grandeur of the mountains. Y'all weren't real involved in that, were you? Gifts that you just didn't have all that much to do with. And how can there be a gift without a giver? Grace is God's love that beams our way, not because of who we are, but despite who we are. Grace is the love that reached down and saved us from our own rotting selfishness and continues each day to save us again. Grace is being found and exposed and loved anyway. Grace is the abundance of God that is present in every breath, every hug, every note of laughter. Grace is never achieved, never accomplished. It is only gifted. 
And grace requires a giver. Every gift requires a giver. There can be no thanksgiving without an acknowledgement of God's free gifting. Bill also read from Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To Indeed, we were called the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in wisdom with gratitude in your hearts and sing. Gratitude is an awareness of grace. It leads to peace and wisdom and eventually it'll end to singing. In fact, gratitude and grace share a language history. They're from the same root word, gratitude and grace. Celebration of our accomplishment is pride. Gratitude is an acknowledgement of God's favor that comes our way without bidding. God's showering of goodness that is found under every rock and behind every tree, if only we had the eyes to see. You know that Melissa and I grew up at First Baptist Church of Doraville for most of uh, my time there anyway. My pastor was Bill Doverspike. And Reverend Doverspike, Thanksgiving Sunday, every year preached the same sermon. He tweaked it a little bit. He'd, he'd turn it a little bit from uh, year to year. But he basically, well, it, it wasn't a sermon as much as it was a list. For 20 minutes, he would just list the things he was thankful for. He would just, small, large, it didn't matter, whatever came to his mind. For 20 minutes, there was no narrative. There was no case to be made. He just read us a list, one after another. He just tried to enumerate the grace gifts from almonds to absolution, from hymnals to hydrangeas, whatever came to mind, he just, I loved it. I, I look forward to that Sunday every year. He, he would talk about hand-holding with his wife, Nell, classical music, sleeping grandchildren, God's salvation, Number one pencils. For some reason, every year, he wrote down number one pencils. It, it wouldn't be a bad way to spend Thanksgiving this year, would it? it Maybe on a long road trip this week, kids asleep in the back seat, you got a 20-minute stretch of silence. Could you think of 20 minutes worth of things unearned joys. Maybe it's in that kind of awake time when you wake up not by an alarm and you know you don't have to get out of bed real quickly and you're not sure you want to get out of bed yet anyway. And you've got 20 minutes to just list out the undeserved gifts that came straight from God's love.
and not from your hard work. Poet W.H. Alden writes, I know nothing except what everyone knows. If there when grace dances, I should dance. Well, dance away this week. Dance and sing. Dance in the abundance of God's showered grace. Dance in the freedom that it really is not all up to you. Dance in the implications of forgiveness. Dance and splash in the puddles of provision and abundance. Dance in the assurance that you are loved. When grace dances, you should dance too. Let's dance this week before we see each other again next week. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.